This intravenous with IVA is brought to you by Alabama Power. Judge Martha Reeves Cook has served the people and businesses of Jefferson County as a district court judge in place one since March of 2001. She was appointed to fill the vacancy created by the retirement of another judge, but upon winning the primary election in March 2020 and the general election in November 2020, Judge Cook has been filling a full six year term. Prior to becoming a judge, Judge Cook practiced civil law and mediated cases, mostly real estate related, for almost 23 years. Judge Cook has held various leadership roles in the legal community, including chair of the Diversity and Inclusive Committee, Inclusivity Committee of the Birmingham Bar Association, and chair of the Dispute Resolution Section of the Alabama State Bar. She has also served and continues to serve on the executive boards for both the Alabama State Bar and the Birmingham Bar Association's women's section. Her proudest achievement, however, is the role of mom to her sons. They're so tall and handsome. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Judge Cook was raised in Selma, Alabama, where she graduated from Selma High School. She obtained her B.A. from Randolph-Macon Women's College in Lynchburg, Virginia, and her J.D. from Cumberland School of Law, where her great-grandfather graduated almost 100 years earlier. How cute is that? Well, I don't know if you'd say it's cute. It's cute. So, Judge Cook, tell me a joke. All righty. I got a good one for you. A young lady Let walk- me be oh. the judge of that. Well, yes, sir. <laughs> I see who's running this show. (laughs) All right, you ready? I am. A young lady walks into the courtroom for the first time ever, and she hears, order, order. And she raises her hand and says, I'll take a cheeseburger, french fries, and a Coke, please. (laughs) That will pass. That will pass. Yeah, if you had had banged on the uh, table, yeah, we would have jumped out of our seats (laughs) on that one. I like it. That will pass. Thank that you, That will sir. pass. Now, hold on. Let me give you one. I'm trying to see one of my... Yeah, try to top that. Yeah. Well, I won't say I'm going to top it, <laughs> but this is my way of giving a little homage to my friend Erica Bass. She is hilarious. She posts jokes all the time. And so I've been saying I was going to put one of hers on. So what did the football coach say to the broken vending machine. I don't know. Give me my quarterback. (laughs) (laughs) You know that was a good one. You know that was a good one. All right. All right. So, Judge Cook, my my friend, y'all just don't know how much I love me some Judge Cook. Tell me, your favorite story, fond memory, how we met, tell me. Which one, what sticks out? Well, the very first time we met sticks out. I'm trying to remember. Okay, and I, I was hoping you didn't remember because to, <laughs> that shows you how, to me, something so memorable to you because you were so well-established in this community. I was just another politician, of course, until you met me. But 
I had a one opponent in the March 2020 primary, mm-hmm. and you and I had not met yet. Mm-hmm. And I know you're dear friends with my right. campaign manager, right. Emma. And I started getting these messages on Messenger, Facebook Messenger, from Aniva Williams and you need to call me, and you need to call me. And I'm like, you know, by that point, we were down to the wire. Yeah. I'm like, who is this? I have no idea who this is. So I immediately call Emma. Mm-hmm. She goes, you need to meet Iva. <laughs> so we met at the Tutwiler right. in a room right. and immediately hit it off. That's right. But I get it now. You needed to know I was real, right. that I was here for the right reason, running for the right reason. And I think within a few minutes of us being in that room together, you knew that, and I liked you immediately. All that went away as far as the call me now, call me now. And I was like, I really like this guy. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Um, you know, Emma represents people for the right reasons. You know what I'm saying? So that already that already meant something to mm-hmm. me. But I had to meet you. I couldn't. I, know. I couldn't go tell anybody else to vote for you based off of what someone told me. Right. And so it was time sensitive. It was. Yeah. That I, I met but you, but yeah. It I was, get it now. Yeah. You know, now that I've been through that whole process, luckily right. didn't have an opponent in the general election in November, but I had to make it through that primary mm-hmm. and thankfully won with a bang thanks to you and so many hardworking folks. Yeah. And I get it now. Yeah. But at the time, I'm like, who is this guy? And now, now I know. Now, <laughs> now I you know. know. Now, now it all makes <laughs> it sense. It does. I love it. But that's why our picture out front, one of the reasons. I get it. I get it now um tell me i knew you were from selma mm-hmm. but i know nothing about your story right i know i know your biography mm-hmm. what's your story like what brought you into it or tell me what well, that little thing is i know we have a common thread of believing in god and being christian praise and i believe god. yes Amen. praise god i do think that where i am is all because of god But I didn't know back in high school when my parents took me out of an all-white school that I'd been to all my life up to 10th grade and put me over in an all-black school, some high school, I had no idea what impact that would have on me later now in my 50s. But it has. It had such a huge impact, of course, then, but a different impact. Like, I have to leave my friends? Right. I'm going to this new school? What? But it was honestly, Iva, the best thing that ever happened to me for so many reasons. And I'm still thanking my parents now, who are both alive at 85. Thank you, Jesus. And they feel bad because they took me out of that other school, and it was a hard thing to do. The academic situation at the private white school had gotten terrible. They wanted me to be better and bigger than what I and my little brain was thinking. And they knew to do that, I had to be pushed. I had to have teachers that would say, you're going to learn to write and write well. You're going to learn math. You're going to learn, you know, that school I'd been to, and I have a lot of friends that graduated from there. Mm-hmm. I'm still in touch with them. Mm-hmm. But it had gotten so where the big big push was athletics. So if you okay. weren't a cheerleader or a football player, you know, there really wasn't anything to motivate you. Right. So as mad as I was at the time, I still kind of had a sense of peace that what, you know, to trust my parents who had raised me up to that point to, what, 15, 16 mm-hmm. years old. Mm-hmm. And so when I walked in that school for the first time and the bell rung and I looked like this one little white pea in a sea of black students, you know, yes, I was a little scared. But at the same time, I felt like 
this is where I need to be. Yeah. I ended up running for SGA. I made homecoming maid one year. Back then we had a white homecoming maid and a black homecoming maid. Yeah. Homecoming maid. And, you know, I really integrated myself into that. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I wish I stayed better friends and in touch with a lot of people. I had a, my first love who broke my heart, went to that school and all that. But Aww. I still have a fondness for Selma. Now that my parents live up here, I don't get back there as much, but I still have friends and family that live there. Mm-hmm. I'm going back end of April to art, an arts event they're having. Okay. But my story is that, you know, I came from this small little town of, you know, very historic civil rights um, and history, and yet born in 1968, you know, by the time I was born, it was, you know, at least on the white side of the town, it was, yeah, we've had the civil rights movement. Let's just get on with things. Right, right. I certainly know now, especially as a judge in Jefferson County, we hadn't made a huge bunch of progress. Right. And Selma, poor Selma, as much as so many people are are really rallying for it and trying, Mm. it's down to like 18,000 people. It was around 25,000 when I I lived there. Yeah. And if you drive down there, which I encourage people to do because there's so much to see there. But economically, education-wise, it's it's sadly very depressed. But it's still my hometown, yeah. um, and I, I give it a lot of credit for making me the person I am. And that's why I try to go back when I can. But that's pretty much my story of when I was younger. And from then, I've just tried to be a better person because I got a chance to know people that didn't look like me. Yeah. And and people that didn't grow up on the same side of the tracks as me. And it made me more blessed than I can ever imagine. I love it. I love it. Now, you just got an award from whom? Birmingham Urban League. Birmingham Urban League. And That's right. CAC. I don't want to let them out. CAC did a program for women only. Okay. For Women's What's History CAC? Month. What's CAC? Okay. That's the um, Community Affairs Committee. Alice okay. Westery and uh, wonderful people that have been pushing that for so long. And it, it, it started, I think, back in the 60s, yeah. right after the uh, bombing of the 16th Street Baptist Church. Okay. And what they try to do is bring black and white residents together to do good for the community. I love that. So I'm think I'm technically on the board if they haven't fired me, but <laughs> I've been so busy with COVID and everything. It just, yeah. you know, as everybody has been affected by that. But there were several of us judges and other women in the community that were recognized at St. Paul's Methodist Church, right down from the 16th uh, Street Baptist Church. I didn't see that on your Facebook. Well, let me tell you this. I didn't put either <laughs> on my Facebook. Somebody okay. else put it on my Got Facebook. You. That's tr- right. That's right. I'm trying right. so hard not to post too much right now. I understand. I went kind of haywire when I was running because uh-huh. I felt like everybody needed to know I'm everywhere. Uh-huh. And I still love being everywhere. Sure. But also know it's a big election year mm-hmm. and there are people that are trying to get out there and get people to know them like I had right. to do. So I just don't want to be like, look at me, look at me. But I was very honored by both. You're always so thoughtful. No, I'm not. Yeah. (laughs) That's good to know. (laughs) I have a little devil side. I love it. Now, um, other than, I know we're Facebook friends. Are you on any other social media? Well, I am on Instagram. Okay. And it was keep, um, keep. Judge Cook, I think, was Emma, what she set up. Okay. I've now turned it into a private account. It's just Martha Reeves Cook. But gotcha. please friend me. I'd love to, you know, be friends. Um, but Facebook, I found, is an easier platform to me to manage. I'm not 
too cool to be on Instagram. Right, right. I mean, I'm not cool I, enough. I am, I am barely cool enough to be on Instagram. <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, let's take a minute to take a uh, pay a few bills. And when we get back, I want to know your favorite charity. We're going to ask you some this or that questions. And you're going to teach us how to sue people. Hello, I'm just going to share with Mark Petway. I need your help. Sadly, many individuals and families in our county are being devastated by domestic violence. Domestic violence is wrong. Love shouldn't hurt. Speak up, stand up. Together we can prevent domestic violence. First thing, I want to thank you for coming to my listening party and giving feedback because everything this show has evolved into is based off of you all's feedback. So I just, I have to thank you. I really appreciate that. And um, I don't think you know how much I love you, mm-hmm. really. Like, um, I just think you are a very, very, very um, warm, real um and we were talking outside, and we were like, nah, it makes sense why she's belonging to cookout. She went to Selma High. <laughs> go Saints, go Like, oh, oh, now it all makes sense. <laughs> now I got it. Now I got now it. Now I got it. Hey, yeah. and I do have one other claim to fame. What's that? Terry Sewell's younger brothers, who are twins, Anthony yeah. and Andrew, they were a year ahead of me. So they were seniors when I started as a junior at Selma High School. Mm-hmm. But we hung out together all the time. You know, I was going to ask yeah. you about that, as a matter of they fact. They called Be- them the Bubbas. And the, yes. Bubba one and Bubba two. And I didn't, you know, I don't, I don't want to start aging people and all that, so I just kind of, well, that was, you know. <laughs> That was kind, but I just I just told all myself. So. Well, I honestly didn't. You surprised me when I said my when age. you said your age. Yeah, I was like, y'all just don't know if when you see pictures of Judge, she's the hottest judge down there. I'm Ooh, telling you, don't let those man. other ladies. See that. <laughs> but you know, back to a little bit of a. I know we got to jump to another topic, no, but just quickly ahead. with the Bubba's. Yes. Um, they were the re- way I got to be great friends with them is they were great friends of that boyfriend that ended up breaking my heart. But that's okay. That you got to have that first love. Yeah. But I, I, they, they truly took care of me. They looked after me, and I threw a party at a, for a friend that was coming to visit out of town. Uh-huh. And my boyfriend, who was white, could come to the party. But when my mom said the Bubba's can't come, I said, "What are you talking about?" And they said, "Well, the Selma Country Club doesn't allow black people to come as guests to a party." I said, "What?" Right. And that was just a great eye opener, or sad one. Right. But a great, you know, I've been living in this very white bubble and even right. going to Selma High. I thought, come on, Bubba's, let's come. You know, what right. happened is it was a, you know, fried chicken and it was a great cookout thing. And they drove up to the fence and they chuckled about it because they yeah. knew they couldn't come. Yeah. But it was a big eye opener <laughs> for me. Right. And I'm like looking through the fence going, I can't believe y'all can't come. <laughs> right. That's it's so sad. That's a heck of a story. <laughs> well, like, I just say it to say that's that's reality, and I I know the club now takes black members. I know, I think, but, but but it's 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 interesting to hear your perspective, like the perspective of the white child who didn't quite get it. Well, you got it, but 
it hits you like a sledgehammer too. That certain that's why it has impacted in my memory. Yeah. Because I'd gotten so close with them. Yeah. They literally you, you were, were like just my bubbles. Yeah. At that point. You, it, Come I get on. It. Yeah. And then my mom had to tell me and I said, What? Right. But you know, those are hard lessons and I know black children have harder lessons that they've learned. But it was a good way for me to say things have got to be better. Yeah. I, I this this isn't gonna sit well with me. And I always, you know, um, I'm going to let that go. What is your favorite charity? Well, I'm going to have to answer the Morgan Project. And this is why I'm going to have to. Yes, because I want to educate you. A new one I haven't heard of. Now, before getting involved in the Morgan Project, I would have said STARE, the reading program, because my parents still volunteer for that um, and through their church. Independent are so cute. (laughs) Okay, the Morgan Project is a 501c3. It's named after Chuck Morgan who was an attorney here in the 1960s, a white attorney, but very progressive for his age and his times. The morning after the bombing at the 16th Street Baptist Church, so September 16th, 1963, Mr. Morgan stood up at his all-white men's business club called the Young Men's Business Club and said, every one of us in this room is guilty for what happened over at that church yesterday. Wow. And people were just flabbergasted because they're like, what do you mean? I didn't, right. have any, I didn't throw that dynamite. I didn't plant that dynamite. And he said, no, we sit around and do nothing and just let it happen to our black brothers and sisters. So everyone in this room, well, he wrote a book about it called A Time to Speak. It is now out of print, but thankfully, because of the Morgan Project, it's back in print. And we had an event over at the 16th Street Baptist Church. Lisa McNair is on our board. Yeah. Love, love, love her. Um, Carolyn McKinstry helps yeah. out, Dr. McKinstry, Doug Jones, um, Charles's, uh, Chuck's uh, son, Charles, who owns Chuck's Fish and Five Restaurant yeah. and, and Tuscaloosa here and Destin. That's his son. That's Chuck's son. And he's on our board as well. We're trying to educate people, young people, about the history of Birmingham specifically mm. and how its own history of conflict and courage can help young people. Yes. Like Justin here say, you know what? I can stand up for somebody. Yeah. I can say what I'm feeling. Because Mr. Morgan, back the day after that horrific bombing and killing of those four beautiful girls, had the guts to stand up and say what he knew was right. He said, enough. And so right after George Floyd's killing, there were several of us who are ironically members of the same club that's no longer all white and not all male, raised our hand on a Zoom call and said, enough's enough. What are we doing as well-off people, business people, judges, politicians, what are we doing to help Birmingham and Alabama move forward? And everybody's just kind of looking, and somebody said, well, Judge Cook, you'll be chair of that committee. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> you know that's how that happens now. When you open your mouth at a meeting, you just got to be the chair or something. Right, and I thank the fellow <laughs> members all the time because as soon as that hit me, the yeah. same thing you just said, I said, Martha, when are you going to learn to keep your mouth shut? <laughs> I don't need another something on my plate. Um, three or four friends of mine that are now dear friends of mine raised their hand on that Zoom call and said, Judge Cook, I'll help, I'll help, I'll help. And within minutes, we had five or six of us. We touched base with Mr. Morgan, the son, Mr. Morgan, down in Destin, said, may we use your family's name, the Mm -hmm. Morgan name? Here's what we're trying to do. He said, I'm in 100%. We -hmm. called Lisa McNair, who has a very full plate, and said, here's who we are. Come to one of our meetings by Zoom. She, She came to one of our meetings. 
We said, take time to think about it. We want you on our board. She said, nah, I don't need to think about it. I'm on your board. And so we've gone around mainly Dr. McKinstry, Lisa McNair, and Charles Morgan as a threesome have gone around and talked to different teacher workshops. And we've had a curriculum developed for um, 11th graders and even down to, I think, 6th grade that's adapted out of A Time to Speak, the book, and trying to teach students how to be courageous when there's conflict. Because one thing I know we're going to get to is about my courtroom, and let me tell you, there's some conflict there. I love that. So the Morgan Project, and the way you find it is morganproject.org. Not the, because somebody had already taken the Morgan Project, but morganproject.org. Thank you. And you can see all of our members, what we've done so far. We have a teacher workshop that we just did out at Arlington, which Mm -hmm. was a great setting. Here you are talking about civil rights, and you're out at the Arlington Historic Home. Mm -hmm. We had a great turnout of teachers, a lot of good feedback. We're having one at Altamont School with okay. a teacher who's really taken this on. And, you know, the, the other thing I've learned is how we as humans can pivot. Because, as we all know, a lot of this critical race theory nonsense has been blown into something that, I mean, I wasn't even taught critical race theory in law school. We mm-hmm. are not teaching it to our kids in, mm-hmm. in junior high or middle school or whatever. But as we know, there are a lot of sound bites that come out and people get all worked up. Mm-hmm. I had to explain to my own dad, Dad, we're not teaching critical <laughs> right, race theory right, right. to my nieces who were 14 and 15. So we've kind of had to pivot. Our original thought was, let's try to get a curriculum in the schools. Mm-hmm. Well, when the whole critical race theory came out, we're like, mm, we got to kind of turn yeah. and pivot. So what we've done now is we've taken the ideas of conflict and courage with our written curriculum to the teachers. And yeah. the teachers that are receptive about it are then taking it back into their schools. So that. we rely on donations. I give every month, kind of like I do to local stations yeah. and other charities because it means that much to me. But we're trying to teach people about our own history here. We have found that certainly white students don't know the history, and a lot of black students don't either. Yeah. And once people like Carolyn McKinstry and Lisa McNair and Charles Morgan and other people of the civil rights age are gone, that oral history has gone. Tell Ms. Dr. McKinstry I said hello. I will. I will. Her daughter was one of my high school sweethearts. Wow. I miss her so much. (laughs) We're supposed to have lunch soon, so I will be sure to tell her. Now, this or that, Regents Park or Rickwood Field? Ooh, I'm going to say Rickwood Field. Botanical Gardens or Railroad Park? I love plants, so that's hard. But I've been to Botanical Gardens so many times, I'm going to say Railroad Park. You better choose Railroad Park. (laughs) Protective Stadium or Legacy Arena? I'm going to say Protective because I've been there and I loved it. I went to the first UAB game and I had so much fun. Are you going to the um, Stallions game this weekend? I did see it on Facebook and I'm thinking about it. My boys are coming in town for Easter, but tell me. Take them. Take them? I heard that the production value is going to be okay. off the chain. Okay. Yeah, take them. Well, I would love to. Crossplex or Legion Field? Oh, Legion Field, because I went to the Classic for the first time when I was campaigning. That was so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> then COVID came and I couldn't go again. <laughs> well, you come in with me this I year. I will, thank you. Birmingham Zoo or McWayne Science Center? Mm. Oh, that's hard, McWayne. Sloss Furnace or Vulcan Park? Oh, these are hard. Vulcan. Alabama Theater or Lyric Theater? Lyric. Lake or beach? Beach. Barons or Squadron? Oh, that is a mean one. I'm going to say Squadron because they were good to me. (laughs) 
Alabama or Auburn? Ooh, that's even harder. My boys go to University of Mississippi, but my parents graduated from Alabama, so Roll Tide. Roll Tide. And Biggie or Tupac? <laughs> Tupac. <laughs> Tupac. All right. Now, let's sue somebody. I, this is going to be the best show, in my opinion, because this is one of those take your notes and learn how to get these motherfuckers up <laughs> off of you. Do you hear me? Judge Cook is the judge of small claims court. And a lot of times we are put in positions where people take advantage of us. And a lot of us don't know what to do. We are not aware of the fact that, you know, we can take things into our own hands. We don't have to hire an attorney for um, issues that cases under a certain amount. So it's not just Judge Cook is a friend of mine. I want her to teach us how we can, you know, take people to court to get ourselves whole in things that may, you know, not be expensive enough to hire an attorney. So I'm going to turn this, the, 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 turn the podcast over to you. Tell us what to do. <laughs> All right. I'm going to tell you procedurally what procedurally, to do. Is. Procedurally. As Ivan knows, I can't give legal advice. They actually took my law license when I became a judge right. because we can't practice law as judges. But procedurally, I do want to explain the process because it's very important. And then I want to touch on your MF comment, um, not because I'm upset you cuss. I know you cuss. I laugh so hard at some of the posts where you cuss. I'm not coming to you for relationship advice, that's for sure. <laughs> but I do want to touch on that because yeah. post really 2020, I have seen a lot change in my courtroom. But let's mm -hmm. go back to the procedural because that is very important. Yes. You are correct, Iva. In small claims court, most people probably 98% of the cases do not have lawyers. And that's what small claims court is. It's for people that say, you know, my neighbor did this to me, or I had a car wreck, and it's a non-insurance issue. A lot of people will sue people for uh, damage to their car, mm -hmm. and either they don't have insurance or they don't want to get insurance involved. I understand. What I want to stress to people is that they make sure when they're filling out their statement of claim, which is the very first form you fill out, if I want to sue you, Iva, which I never would, I would go up to the clerk's office on the fourth floor of the Jefferson County Courthouse. Now, these are for cases that are just in the Birmingham division. I can't speak about how Bessemer does it, but I'm sure okay. it's kind of the same. Okay. So I would go to the clerk's office and I'd say, I need to file a lawsuit. And they would give me a statement of claim. That's your paper that you're going to fill out. And you can literally handwrite it out. Some people take it home, scan it in, type it up. That's great, too. If you handwrite it, Please write legibly because mm -hmm. we do have a lot of people that just scratch out the name and the names get wrong when they're put in the computer. And mm -hmm. so it's important to write as carefully as you can. You do have to pay a filing fee. I wish I knew. I wish I had it memorized. They change every once in a while. So there's a filing fee associated with that statement of claim. Ballpark it. Um, I think it's around 100 if you're just suing one defendant. Mm -hmm. I think it goes up after that. All right. So it's not cheap. You know? Gotcha. Um, but again, you're not paying an attorney. Mm -hmm. So you file that in. It then has to be served on the person, meaning a deputy, process server, someone of a certain age not related to that party, can go out and serve them with the paperwork. And then they give back to the clerk of court 
hey, here's the date and the place I served this person, and they put their stamp on it. I'm a process server in case anybody has any there tricky you go. stuff. There you I go. Ain't cheap, but you know, um, if it's hard to serve somebody, yeah. I'll serve them. Yeah, and yeah. it's good to know because some of them are hard to serve. Yeah, um, I have I one. I got tricks. Mm. Judge Blockton, well, Nikita Blockton, when she was attorney, I served all of hers. <laughs> ask her you some know stories. Some tricks. Ooh, I get. I'll tell you one. Okay. Get go ahead. So um, once the the defendant is served, they have um, seven days. It's a really short. I'm sorry, 14 days. I'm getting ahead of myself. 14 days to file an answer, and it mm-hmm. says all that in bold on the document that you've uh, you've seen it as you serve the document. It says in bold, but a lot of times they don't answer. They either are scared or whatever. They're just like, I'm not going to bother with it. But if a defendant answers, then the judge assigned to that case will set it for trial. Right. And the good thing about small claims court, really pre-COVID, um, we move things pretty quickly. Okay. Because even though we have a huge volume, I have 5,000 cases on my own. So wow. Ruby Davis has about the same. Sheree Grant has about the same. It's a big volume. But pre-COVID, we could move it through because we could get people in in big numbers. Mm-hmm. And every day of the week. Cattle call. It. Yeah, mm-hmm. I hate to say, but yes. So if the defendant answers, we set it for trial. Here's what I want to emphasize with your listeners. If you come as the plaintiff, the person bringing the lawsuit, please bring with you any photos, any documents, any invoices. If you've had a car repair issue, bring your mechanic to testify that, Judge, I had to fix the X, Y, and Z on her car. This is how much it costs. Every bit of evidence you can afford and get in your hands, bring it with you. Mm -hmm. Because what I've noticed since becoming a judge, especially in small claims court, People think because they write on that statement of claim that mm-hmm. Mr. Jones owes me $6,000, that they don't have to come with any proof. Yeah, that, like they don't yeah, have to prove yeah. it. Yeah. And so I understand they think that way because they're not lawyers, but right. I can't let it work that way because I had to take an oath of office That's that right. you know I'm going to uphold the laws of Alabama. And, and sir, ma'am, you have to go through the process just like a lawyer would mm-hmm. and prove your damages. I mm-hmm. got in a little back and forth on the phone today with someone because they sent in pictures of their wrecked car. And and they the I want to explain this. <laughs> like, it's wrecked. He did it. <laughs> right. That's exactly right. Right, right. And he, she wanted to tell me over the phone, but he did. He didn't. I said, well, ma'am. First of all, he didn't answer, so we can't have a trial on this, but I will there's a there's a procedure called default judgment. If someone right. fails to answer, then the plaintiff, the person suing, can say, Judge, here's my affidavit that says why I'm owed this, and here are my documents that show why Mr. Jones owes me this and why he calls this wreck. Well, like I said, this lady just attached pictures. It didn't mm-hmm. prove anything. And I tried mm-hmm. to explain to her over the phone. The, the the downside of what's happened the past several years, whether you want to call it political, medical, whatever, is people, I think, have gotten angrier and madder just for, you know, things that they may have let pass before. And then they want instant results. And we just can't – I wish we could just do that and have a trial. Right. But the volume, the backup from COVID, we can't. Um, and I also want to encourage people, even if someone has done you wrong, if you feel safe talking to them, I don't want to encourage any um, body going into a violent or scary situation. But I see a lot of cases where um, a neighbor, you're suing a neighbor, or I see family members suing each other. And they never talk to each they other. They never. Thank you, Ava. Yeah. They never talk to each other. And I want to encourage people, before you go fill out that statement of claim, pay that $100 or whatever the filing fee is, please 
talk to that person and see if y'all can get something worked out. Because when you get up to my courtroom, when that day happens, you've got to prove your evidence. Mm -hmm. And the person on the other side has to say, well, judge, she has all that evidence, but here's why it's not me that did it or why Mm -hmm. I don't know it. Um, Then all I can do is rule for the plaintiff or rule for the defendant, and somebody's going to be mad because I didn't rule for them. You can't give legal advice, but I can. (laughs) I'm not an attorney. I'm not a judge. I can give anything I want. (laughs) So what I took from that is, you know, you the threshold is the same across the board. You you have to prove it would be it if you got an attorney or if you're doing it yourself, you still have to prove it. Right. Yes. Your word is not law so if you have a picture of your car accident and eric is standing there next to his beat up car and y'all are arguing okay that's some evidence i mean clearly it's the two of you but if you get to to court and all you have is your side of the story and it, it doesn't prove them to be wrong you might be throwing away some money yes but What's most important and why I wanted you here, though, is to let people know that there is, you know, if you do have all of those things together, don't want it, but you don't want to get an attorney, there's help out there. Absolutely. Even my father, who's now 85, I was so proud of him. They, My mom and dad bought this beat up little house down on, in South Alabama, near Lillian, Alabama, and they had to do a lot of work on it, including a roofing job. And dad, being a nice guy, paid the guy a little bit too much before he actually finished the job. Well, guess what? He didn't come back and finish the job. Mm-hmm. My dad, who had me as an attorney, his brother was alive at the time as an attorney, he's like, nope, I got this. He went to small claims court. He sued. He had his documents. He showed why the guy hadn't finished the job. He had photos. And he won a judgment against him. I want to, If I have time, I want to explain quickly about a judgment. Please. Okay. It, once you get a judgment, if you've come to my courtroom, you've proved it, whether by default judgment, the example I gave you, or right. at trial. Or if you win it. Yeah, at trial. And I say, award for the plaintiff, $5,000. Well, people get so excited, as they should, that they won. But all that is is a piece of paper at that time. Right. You then have to go, well, you have to wait the time for appeal, which is, again, another 14 days. But if the, the person does not appeal... You can apply for, ask the clerk for a certificate of judgment. That's the official document that you then go file in probate court, which tells the world that Mrs. Jones has a judgment of $5,000 about, you know, against Mr. Sims or whatever the case may be. And so that is a good thing once you get to that point, because if somebody goes to borrow money right. to purchase a car. Sell a house. Exactly. Yep. It shows up. Uh, sir, you have this judgment. you got to pay that off before we're going to loan you any money. Taxes. Mm-hmm. The whole nine yeah. yards. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I've been through it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> sadly, a lot of people have. But, you know, that's just to give people a little bit of a um, idea of what the process is, because once you get that judgment, yes, that's a good thing, but you still got work to do. You still got mm-hmm. work to do. And just briefly, the the um, top amount you can sue for in small claims court. Hold on. Okay. Is it ten thousand or is it twenty five? You're close. What? 
Okay. 15? <laughs> I'm just guessing now. <laughs> so cute. You're just guessing now. Okay, just before I became a judge, the small claims level went from 3000 to 6000 Oh, really? Yeah, so it jumped up to a larger amount, as it should. I thought it was way more. Well, okay. l- let me tell you, that while you're thinking that is because I also hear district court cases, which are anything above 6000 up to 20000 Right. So, but I still got it all messed up because, yeah, I I was still I'm I'm gonna sue Eric. I'm trying to think on what I'm gonna sue you for, but I'm a, I'm a, we gonna come down there. We go. <laughs> Y'all come do a mock trial down there. Yeah, we come do a mock trial. Now you do know, uh, oh you you were going out of town with your sons mm-hmm. for my graduation. That's right. Yeah, my sons graduated. Yes, I knew <laughs> something. Congratulations was... to you. Thank that is you. really great. I completely forgot, but I knew you had something going on. So we've got we got to do something before after we gonna celebrate. Oh yeah, to celebrate. Yeah. We can celebrate him and you at the same time. Absolutely. But you know, and I never said earlier. Thank you, first of all, for inviting me to your listening party and asking yes. me to be a guest. It does mean a lot to me. Well. I love you to life. I love you. All right. I want to thank my friend Judge Martha Reeves Cook for joining us. I want to thank you for listening. And as always, a huge shout out to Creed 63 and UrbanHam.com. God bless. Intravenous 205 is here to support all Birmingham businesses and entrepreneurs. If you would like your business featured on Intravenous 205 podcast, please give us a call at 205-202-1602 or email us at intravenous205 at gmail.com.